The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech podcast feed. Ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready because here it comes. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, entrepreneur and technophile Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. Here I am, Brian Sovereign, the apex of own sauce, the Rembrandt of the podcast canvas, the golden stallion of the tech world. All those names, all true. Once you go Brian Sovereign, you go triple black. Or wait, I said that wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, I had a listener send that. <laughs> I had a listener uh, suggest that. He said he, that the idea was that, um, yeah, oh, wow. Now I can't remember. What's that? I had to turn my mic on. Yeah. Once you go triple black, you yeah. never go back. I th- it was different than that. <laughs> Oh, well, that's okay. Anyway, thankfully, thank you, my lovely and hyper-intelligent producer. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, but I think it was. I think it was is once you go Brian Sovereign, you go you go triple black, something like that. Anyway, it was great. But um, <laughs> here for another great episode um, of Sovereign Tech. And... I want to, before I get, get right into it, um, I want to mention a couple things. One of the things is that I've made some, uh, some changes to the SovereignTech.com webpage. And one of those changes is there are, to the, to the right side of the page, you'll see some links. And uh, there's a link that goes to LRN.FM, which we were kindly picked up on um, and is getting, you know, played, you know, all around the world now. Um, on a regular basis. So that's great. And so there's a link to how to get to that. There's also a link about the studio, which shows you just what exactly, you know, what equipment is being used to, to be recorded. Fortunately, this is all being provided kindly by, uh, again, the lovely and hyper intelligent producer of the show, Stephanie Murphy in her studio. And so you can see how that's all done and how, you know, what exactly makes Brian Sovereign's voice sound so great. And, and you can find out right there. There's also, and this is kind of important now, Sovereign Tech as, as a show itself, it doesn't take donations of any kind, um, not monetary donations of any kind anyway. And, and that's very important to me because like when, when companies, especially in the tech world, when companies like CNET, um, or, or other ones, you know, like, like CNET, which, which I've been, I've been watching and reading CNET stuff since I was a kid, you know, since I was like 15 and they used to play like the CNET shows on the sci-fi channel and all that. And they kind of went independent for a while and they were always a, a really good trusted source, but then they got bought out by CBS, uh, last year. Um, and you know, since then there's been like products that they refuse to review because CBS doesn't want them to. And there's all these kind of control systems and schemes that, uh, you know, that have come in. And, and that's the thing is that with this, with this show, I want to make sure, you know, that this is completely unadulterated, just straight up, um, you know, you're getting my opinion on things and it's an opinion that's not bought. Uh, bought and paid for by anybody. So, and, and something, you know, 
something I've kind of learned. I if if you're not aware, um, oh anyway, sorry. Let me get back to where I was going with that. The there is a link, however, now on the SovereignTech.com webpage, and that link goes to Amazon. And what that does, that's actually that's actually the pork therapy Amazon link, um, and so it really helps support the studio. And when you buy things through that link, it's an Amazon link that takes you there. And then when you buy, you, you don't get charged anything extra. But when you buy something through that Amazon link on SovereignTech.com, um, then, you know, Pork Therapy gets a cut. Stephanie Murphy kind of gets a cut of it. And then essentially, um, you know, the studio is allowed to exist. It's, it's, it's really, it's a great thing. And it just, it supports liberty in general. You know, so if you want to support Liberty, go ahead and do that. I get no cut of this. You know, it's not it's not something that that really supports me. Um, but there it is. And, wait a minute, it wait. is. I turned my mic on. I'm sorry, I'm That's, hijacking no, no, your no, show. No, please, please, you're the producer. <laughs> you're in charge here. So when people go through that link, which I really um, thank them for, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Since we're both doing the show out of out of the studio, it allows me to make upgrades like the pop filters, right. the second microphone, all that stuff came from um, the fact that people were going through my Amazon affiliate link. And then I get, you know, credit to spend on Amazon and I get stuff for the studio. So I'm, exactly. I'm constantly making upgrades, little cables and stuff to tweak here and there. And, uh, you know, an equipment wears out, we want to upgrade, we want to, you know, make sure our travel setup is okay. So right. all that stuff it all goes back to support the studio and that really is i think supporting your show maybe not um directly but it it enables you to do a better quality show and keep the um keep the quality coming as well that is the truth yeah thank you for for pointing that out that is absolutely and who doesn't true. love it to keep the quality coming oh yeah always keep it coming <laughs> exactly coming is or i mean the quality coming that's great mm. yeah um, yeah, no, I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, exactly. In fact, just recently we did get new pop filters, if, uh, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what makes all of this sound so great. So, anyway, so if you want to support the studio, if you want to support the show, um, it, it, it does. You're right. I'm sorry. Your that, sexy actually, voice puts a lot of wear and tear on the equipment because it's, it's just too, you're too sexy for the mics. You're too sexy, too sexy for so for the sexy headphones. It hurts. For the pop filters. I'm just a model. Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay. Mm-hmm exactly so it does support the show it does support it also supports other other shows like pork therapy um and it's the only other show at the moment (laughs) at the moment but that's okay yeah the the future is bright so okay i'll mute myself again bye bye (laughs) (laughs) i love this Uh, this show is, is so much fun to do i hope you have as much fun listening to it um Anyway, this brings me up to a topic, and in fact, I'm wondering if I'm even going to get to the main story of the week, but this brings me up to a topic uh, that I've thought about a lot recently, and for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you do, though, uh, I also, as well as uh, Stephanie, who who was just chiming in wonderfully, um, we co-host Sunday nights uh, with Mark Edge on Free Talk Live, and something I've come to learn is that in the liberty movement, if you want to make sure that you get plenty of, um, you know, sponsors and you want to make sure that you get plenty, you know, that, that you get a lot of listeners and that everybody kind of like, likes what you're doing and all this stuff. I've come to the conclusion that there's only, that there's four G's that the, what I call the four G's and you can't talk about those, or at least you can't insult them or question them. And the four G's are, are, are this, it's gold, God, guns, and gender. 
as long as you don't question those, as long as you keep those as normal, and as long as you keep towing the, the quote-unquote party line, the Liberty Party line, not that Liberty has a party, but you know what I mean, then you'll be so popular, everybody will love you, and nobody will really know who you are because you're just in an echo chamber reverberating what's been said for the past hundred years as far as Liberty goes. But and and that's kind of unfair because I mean there's there's a reason that people hold these statements and they're they're not they're not that terrible. But I've learned that. In fact, I I I was going I questioned the validity of gold, like its origin. I questioned the fact that that there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that support liberty oriented shows that that make comments like gold for six thousand years. Gold has you know uh, had this has been a store of wealth and all this stuff, which isn't true. You know, they also make the comment from the Romans to the Renaissance, gold has been blah, blah, blah. That's not true either. In fact, from the Romans to the Renaissance, there was no, like, real empire. There was the Byzantine Empire, but that was a little off to the right, if you know what I mean. But there was no real empire. Everybody was using silver. Nobody was using gold. Okay? So so that's inaccurate. Now, as far as gender, well, if you're a feminist... Oh, get, get away from me. You can't be, you can't be in the Liberty movement. What is this? You're, you're, you're trying to hold people down, which in, in what world when the oppressed in this case with feminism, when women suddenly get rights that men already had, how do men become oppressed at that point? Run that one by me. They don't. And it's the argument that, okay, so if you're, if you're pro children as in your you're pro you know uh if you're like an activist for children does that mean you're an activist against old people no but if you oh if you start talking about feminism you'll get emails up the wazoo you'll get people contacting other shows other podcasts saying i can't stand it when they talk about feminism when they talk about gender issues or when they t- even maybe even when they say when you talk about lgbt issues i'm so glad there's a show like flaming freedom out there that's that's pushing a lot of that stuff but don't don't no 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 don't 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 talk about feminism come on anyway so that's one that's one way to lose listeners if you start talking about feminism. I think the producer would like to have something to say. But everybody complains that there are no women in the liberty movement at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, that's it. Yeah, and and why is that? It's like why why aren't there any li- women in the liberty movement? Maybe because they're not represented or they're not uh, respected. Things like that. How about that? Okay, so we, we covered, let's see, what did we cover? We covered gold, we covered um, uh, gender, and now, yeah, now let's go to guns. We're going to talk about God. Actually, in the listener email, we're going to be talking about God in the listener email, but, um, but let's go to guns. Shocker of shockers. Okay, now some, some people who've emailed this show, some listeners, very kind listeners, they've emailed, and they've said, you know, they, they, they kind of know me for my stance on guns. And my stance on guns is kind of, it's not unique. I, I don't, I dare, dare say it's unique, but it's, it's, it's definitely a minority in the, in, you know, in anarchist circles and in the Liberty movement and with guns, you know, I don't, I don't want to ban anything. Okay. I don't let, let, let's get that right out. I don't want to ban a single thing, but I don't like guns. You know, now you say, no, that's okay. You know, whatever. You don't like guns. That's fine. You don't have to have one. No, all right, fine. That's true. 
But my feeling on it is that, you know, people say like, I, I just, this whole, there, there's this whole mystique, you know, around that, that guns will solve everything. And if just everybody had a gun, there wouldn't be any crime. And, and that gets touted through the, through, throughout Liberty oriented uh, media and, uh, you know, all around. I mean, it's just, it's constantly said. And I, I think that's, I honestly, I, I, I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe that is, this is how it would work. But think about that for a second. If everybody has a gun and everybody acts nice, nice, just because they're scared that they're going to get shot in the head if they just do something wrong, how is that free? That's not free. That's fear. That's a society based on fear. That's no better than the threat of hell saying that, you know, all your actions have the punishment of death. And, you know, which, okay, in reality, yes, your actions can eventually have the punishment of death. That is, death is an actual consequence that exists. But why exacerbate it? Why, why make it, why push it? Yeah, I mean, one of the bottom lines that I've always felt was, was a tenant of anarchy or voluntarism was that people are good. They're naturally good, and you just got to let them be good and stop, stop telling them that they're constantly bad, because that's what the government does. If people are naturally good, then why are we arming ourselves to the teeth? Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I could go more into the gun thing. Maybe in a future episode, I'll talk about that more. And you can email me and you you can ask me questions about it. And then I'll address it by your demand in the listener email section. Um, but I really, I think this, this whole notion that somehow guns make society great uh, or that it makes it peaceful, I, I, there, I have some serious, serious questions about that. Yeah. Anyway, let's go on to the to to the fourth G, shall we? Now the fourth G is God. And it seems like if you insult religion, you'll suddenly you'll get flooded with emails, you'll get flooded with phone calls, you'll get, you know, blah 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 blah. I can how can you you're 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 persecuting me. You're doing this, you're doing that. And no, you, you know, like there's, there's people who say that, well, you know, you, you can be a voluntarist. Now, if you're not sure what a voluntarist is, I mean, I imagine, you know, you're listening to the show, but if a voluntarism isn't just another word for anarchy, at least it, it should be, um, you know, it was, it was a word, a word that was devised by a guy named Carl Watner, I believe. And one of the tenets of, of Carl Watner's definition of creating the word is that you don't vote. Interestingly, a lot of voluntarists vote whatever um but anyway so so you have you know the idea of anarchy as in without without rulers and here's the problem with religion now there's some religions that you know like even like wicca you know one of wicca's central tenets is is kind of is very similar to to in latin what's known as fate ck vodras you know which means do what thou wilt and and that's really their kind of tenet is that you know do what you wish uh, you know, as long as no one else gets hurt and that's pretty good. I mean, that, that pretty well sums up the nap, you know, that that's, that's what that is. Okay. But a lot of the big religions, the Abrahamic religions are like even Baha'i or, uh, you know, go down the list. They, they all ha hold this. I mean, they don't follow the nap. If voluntarism is about having willful voluntary, you know, uh, interactions with people, then you know, uh, the idea of a God 
who at his whim for for no reason of you know of what you that you know you didn't do anything wrong or whichever you know that he'll just aggress against you instantly and it, there's cases of constant constant cases of this in the bible in the quran where if they didn't follow the faith okay fine take them out um you know that that's not that's not a voluntary interaction and that's not anarchy because it's not without rulers it's saying you do have a ruler being god and people will call in and say well you know look god follows different rules he's he's he doesn't follow human rules well then that that slaps the face of the whole idea of natural law because if it's natural law as in like these are natural laws they exist because that's how god's universe works then is natural law not true do you get what i'm saying is 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 it not you know, I mean, are, are ethics universal or aren't they? Why? Why does God get to play by a different set of rules than I do? Oh, because he's God and he created you. Yeah, but I thought I was supposed to be like a son of God. You know, and in fact, you know, my whole mission is to be like God. So it's so if I'm supposed to be like God, then it's OK if, if I break the nap. Please email me and tell me that email me and say, Brian, look. God says it's okay to break the nap. You don't have to follow the nap. Now, granted, I'm going to question my entire philosophy. I'm going to question everything about me. I'm going to question that I'm an anarchist because that means that I have to take orders from somebody else. That's just not so. And I won't get into there was a big deal on Free Talk Live a little while back about self-ownership. I'm not even going to go there. Okay. If you're okay with someone else controlling you, and that's essentially what they're saying is that, you know, you give yourself up as a slave and that's the ultimate in self-expression. If you're okay with someone else controlling you, you know, that's, that's not an anarchy or a voluntarist problem. That's, that's a problem you've got to work out that you don't want control of your own body, you know, and that you want to follow someone else's will. Um, that, you know, that, that's something that you have to personally explore, but you know, what I bring up a case a lot of times with religion, and this is just one of many, but one of them being the walls, the, 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 the story of Jericho, okay, where, where God, you know, the Moses, or not Moses, at this point it's actually just Joshua, Moses has died, and they're going into Canaan, they're going into the promised land, the land of milk and honey, they're trying to get to Jerusalem, and God says, okay, you need to take out Jericho which was this huge city archaeological evidence has completely proven uh since the 1950s that it was that by archaeological study it was an isolationist city okay so all you ron paul lovers you should be like yeah i want to be part of jericho because they didn't they didn't go out and attack they just built up the biggest wall they could to make sure no one could come into their city and the gates were not made to have an army go out they did not go out and attack people. That's my point. That's what archaeology has proven. But they were in the promised land. They were in the, in the right place at the wrong time. And God wanted his people there, the Israelites. And so God, you know, had them march around the walls of Jericho and, you know, you know, blow horns for for like two weeks or whatever. And everything just, you know, then eventually the, the walls crumbled down. And they killed everybody, except for, like, I think one family, if I remember correctly. Uh, they, they killed everyone 
in Jericho. Why? Please email me. What is the grand reason? Someone said to me the other day on Free Talk Live, they said, well, it was because they found out they're because they were sacrificing children. And Abraham didn't sacrifice his son? Or at least he wasn't going to? Or he was going to. Isaac was, was marked for death. It took an angel to come down and hold Abraham's hand, quote-unquote, if all this stuff was true. No, there are no reasons to do what happened in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament... The Torah, it applies not just to Christians, not just to Jews. It also applies to Islamists. And, and people do these mental gymnastics all the time. And, and, and these like verbal gymnastics to, like, to explain away why God does terrible things. When, why aren't they statists? Why don't they say, why don't they do the mental gymnastics for the state? Well, yeah, we, we had to drone that guy. The ethics are universal. Morality is universal. A is A. Existence exists. Do, do you get what I'm saying? But people will just call in, oh, they, they can't handle it. And I think it's a cop-out, too. I want to say this. I think it's an absolute cop-out to rely on religion to for to allow you to believe in anarchy. Because, and, and I see this a lot, where, you know, like like guys, you know, even in the Mises Institute, there, I named a name, even in the Mises Institute, They'll say, well, there is an anarchy because God's in control of everything. So, but it just allows God's natural order to, to, to do its thing. So they, they, you see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a cheat. It's not a belief in the pure order or chaos is more accurate of the market that allows for beautiful things to come into fruition. It's the idea that, oh no, 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 don't worry. Law will still be dispensed. If at the very least in the end, in the afterlife. And that's a cop-out. That's an absolute cop-out. No, let's really believe, for the first time, perhaps, in history, that human beings are good, and that they want peace, and that violence is not natural, and that we can show it to them without the threat of punishment. How about that? Anyway, those are the four G's. As long as you don't talk about, if, if you want a really, really successful podcast, as long as you don't talk about those four things, and, and I, I got into a rant there. There's, there's more specifics. If you want me to, 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 you know, go into further depth on any of that, you can send me an email. But, you know, those are the four G's. If you, if you, as long as you don't argue those, you know, don't argue against them or question them, you will be the most popular guy in the liberty movement. I guarantee you, everybody will just love you. But is that a good thing? I'll leave that to you. This is Brian Sovereign. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with me, Brian Sovereign, the man who always wears triple black. Sovereign Tech is a show about science and technology and how it can set you free. Remember, Sovereign Tech only endorses businesses and products that we genuinely believe in and support ourselves. If you have a product or website that you would like to have reviewed, you can email the show at SovereignTech at Hush.ai. Please keep in mind that the reviews on Sovereign Tech pull no punches. Thanks for listening. Tech Roulette. Want to play? It is time for Tech Roulette. 
where I cover all the stories that you submit to me, and I get tons of them, and they are all great. Uh, I learn a lot just from just from getting them, and then I can't wait, um, you know, to to talk about them and get them out to my listener audience, and that's that's fantastic. Uh, this week we got a story from Gizmodo from an emailer, and it's scientists have created crystals that are almost alive. Now, again, this is the show about science and technology, and, you know, we toss in a little ethical thought now and then, too, like we did in the last segment. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're just, we'll skip the story that I had for this week. It's okay. It was about wristwatches. We can talk about it another time. You may not find that that interesting. Um, and this is, all right, so scientists have created crystals that are almost alive. This is by Eric Limer at Gizmodo. Obviously, you can find about this, find out about this in the show notes. I'll, all my links will be there. Um, and for the story of the week, I think I'll just end up calling it the four G's and there won't be any link to it. Uh, but you can just, you know, think about it. Okay, let's go to the story. Man-made life is a thing of fiction relegated to things like Frankenstein. But scientists are coming close to something almost like it. New light-affected crystals developed by scientists at New York University are very close to being alive. So close, it makes you question what being alive really means. The crystals are microscopic cubes of hematite that can conduct electricity under certain wavelengths of blue light. As a result, when they're in a hydrogen peroxide soup, the right light can make them swim around, merging into larger crystals, breaking apart and doing it all again. And then, when the light goes out, they stop. Paul Chaikin, uh, one of the authors of the paper recently published in Science, notes that this gives the little things, the little things metabolism and mobility, two of the criteria required to be considered alive. Now, obviously, they're not talking about consciousness. They're just talking about the idea that, that somehow the, these things are kind of like possibly living. Uh, they just happen to lack the ability to reproduce for now. Another of the authors, uh, uh, Jeremy Polici, put it this way to Wired, We show that with a simple synthetic active system, we can reproduce some features of living systems. Uh, I do not think this makes our systems alive, but it stresses the fact that the limit between the two is somewhat arbitrary. There's nothing really to suggest that these crystals uh, might suddenly learn to replicate, but they do provide something of a window back in time when the building blocks of life may have been quite similar to this, uh, bef before they began to multiply and, and become actual life. In the meantime, Chaikin and Polici are working on a different particle that has, that has metabolism and can replicate, but not move. If these two projects manage to learn from each other, we could be in for something really wild. Okay, so it doesn't, you know, when, when you read this, it doesn't sound like too much. You know what I mean? It's just... In fact, like they properly, uh, you know, attributed it that, you know, it's like that, that kind of that pre-mortal soup that, um, you know, at the beginning of time, you know, when the earth was, was just formulating what started single celled life forms on this planet and all that stuff. And, you know, amino acids came together and, you know, and then, you know, fortunately they just happened to touch just right. And that started the creation process. And eventually that began to replicate itself and reproduce and, yeah. So it sounds very similar to that. And that's what makes it all, you know, very interesting. And, you know, this quest to recreate the process of recreate of, of life starting over again, like one of the big things, you know, a, a lot of a lot of religious people like to they like to lay this fact out that 
you know, if if the the conditions and they have been there have been lab tests where the conditions that we theoretically think existed well it's a lot more than theory because you know we're we're fairly certain of what it would look like um you know billions of years ago when life started here you know with like i say amino acids um there has been there have been been lab tests to try and recreate those conditions like they'll put it in a giant glass uh you know tube thing and you know and, and they'll have like they'll, they'll even add in electricity into it to replicate lightning that would have been occurring in the atmosphere at this time you know billions of years ago etc and it's never worked and they've been trying since the 70s uh you know and and so a lot of religious people like to poke holes at that or even people that just don't believe in evolution i mean i i you know, I suppose you could be non-religious and, and not not agree with evolution. Um, and they try to poke holes and say, you know, if it, if this is how it happened, science would have proved it already. And and that's kind of an odd odd way to to, to handle things. Um, most religions, I think, would agree that they don't, or you know, feel that they don't they don't disagree with like microevolution, which is the idea that you know finches will change over time and things like that but most people just don't like this whole idea that life just somehow spontaneously is created um and that raises a whole bunch of other questions you know but anyway but here is an example where they're they're doing it now they're kind of doing it under very different situation of course they're not replicating what you know what the earth's atmosphere was like you know billions of years ago but they are showing that maybe maybe we can we can kind of create life this isn't conscious life by any means this isn't you know humans or dolphins or anything this is this is just simple you know simple life and the three criteria listed i think are very interesting that it has to be able to uh to move has to be able to replicate um and what was the other one uh, you know and it has to have a metabolism which means that there's like you know uh bio functions occurring and you know that that's pretty cool and i and i really i wish them the best of luck and i hope that they're able to do they said the the next uh um you know lab test that they want to do is to see if they can make something that has a has metabolism and can reproduce so you know it's just it's raising the question you know what is what is life again this is has nothing to do with consciousness at all this is just simply you know i mean plants are you know technically alive um you know and and, and so it, it's it's just questioning that whole thing what is what is alive and it's totally recognizing that it's artificial but i, I think it's an interesting thing and you know where, where can we go with this um you know i don't know what is the i suppose that's a very interesting question is what do you do with artificial or not artificial but what do you do with uh well how would we phrase that artificially created life it's not artificial like an android or something uh or you know like an automaton but you know in that it's it's kind of organic and it's life you know what do you do with that and here's kind of the exciting thing for me you know, I tout on this show quite a few times. There's actually an ad for it that plays later on in the show. Uh, there's a show called Babylon 5. And in that, there is a race called the Vorlons who they actually, like, grow their ships, their, their, their starships. And, like, a lot of their technology is actually living technology. 
as in it's organic, you know, and, and, and maybe it even to, to some degree has instincts. And I wonder if that's kind of the start of that, you know, of, of, of organic, you know, um, you know, organic technology that's produced by living things. And I suppose there's ethical questions to ask about that. Um, you know, I mean, like one of the big things that a lot of people go into, um, and this is a story I want to talk about in the future on Sovereign Tech was like it, the New York Times had this had this crazy article. Well, not crazy. They, they, they had this really wild like editorial contest where they're asking, you know, tell us, you know, give us the justification for eating meat. And, you know, a lot a lot of people wrote in about it. And, and it, I mean, I'm a meat eater. Uh, I'm on the, the Paleolithic diet. And it, it's the question, you know, can, is it ethical to hurt an animal so that you can live? You know, is it, is it ethical to, to kill an animal so that you can live? And I don't think there were a whole lot of, I mean, really the question itself was kind of rigged because it was putting, it really was putting the, you know, the, the burden of proof on, you know, on humans, on meat eaters. Uh, and it didn't put the burden of proof on, you know, explain you know, explain had to have the vegetarian explain things. And, you know, it's, it's a tough one because eating meat is an instinct. It's a choice to be a vegetarian. It's a choice to be a vegan. Um, as to where a human to eat meat, I mean, it's just, your body's just designed, you know, to do it. And anyway, well, that's a story we'll talk about in the future, but you know, if we can create, simulated life essentially or not simulated because it's real uh sorry this this is like a really this is this, this has such deep implications it's very difficult to find the exacting words that i want to use to how to describe this um but you know th- this created life you know could it be used for things like technology um like uh what's the idea of with quantum computers using like bioneural like chips instead of, instead of using like just straight up Silicon, you know, it actually, it would have the computer itself would, would be designed to almost literally work, uh, like biological processes. I mean, you know, the, the argument's pretty, pretty fair to make as far as that, you know, our body runs very little different from how a computer actually does or how anything that runs through like that, you know, we run off of bioelectricity. So anything that runs off electric, one could say is that, you know, that it does kind of run very similar to, um, you know, to bioprocesses. And so if, if biological, if biological means of transmission of information, electricity, whatever is the most efficient way to do it, then in the future, will you have quantum computers that, you know, their, their parts are biological, you know, like they, I mean, it's kind of a far out thought, but it is something that people are working on is, you know, is how to get away from the ones and zeros. And I mean, it sounds like science fiction, but again, this is something that's very serious and that it's happening. And so I wonder if this, you know, this life being created, they didn't give it a name or anything. Unfortunately, I thought that would have been pretty cool, but I wonder, I wonder if this life that they're talking about creating, if somehow, you know, or that they are, they have created some of it, um, 
you know, if, if somehow it's, it's meant to get used in that way. I'm not sure, but, but it's an interesting thought, you know, and, and I suppose the next question a lot of people ask is, you know, can we play God by making life? Um, and you know, introducing new forms of life into, into ecosystems. Yeah. I mean that, that, you know, this raises a whole lot of questions, but it is very exciting. And, you know, I mean, and then I think people are going to want to get into, you know, would this, you know, how far can we take this? Can we take this to where we create a worker species like some wild conspiracy theorists think humans are? Um, I mean, I, th- I think it's looking, we're way too far ahead to really even to have serious discussions about that. I mean, we can fancy about it, you know, here on Sovereign Tech, but that is really, really far down the line as far as what to even do with that. You know, because again, if the life doesn't have like pain receptors, then are you actually hurting something? How about that thought? I don't know. You know, I mean, if, if you're taking something's life, I mean, if it's even conscious, you know, when you step on, I mean, because that, that's kind of what a lot of this will boil down to is that, okay, there's, you know, you have amoeba walking around or whatever. Um, you know, if, if somehow you squashed an amoeba, uh, I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to walk around. And I know there's Buddhists that do this. There's like Buddhists that they, you know, they, they won't, they only step on rocks. They won't walk on the grass because they're afraid that they're going to step on an ant. And that's where a lot of vegans and vegetarians, I think they need to answer that question is like, how are they okay with walking through, through the grass? You know, if it's going to, I mean, cause potentially you're going to squash something, you know, if your whole point is I don't want to hurt anything, then you might as well just sit in a chair and contemplate how the chair, the creation of that chair somehow injured some kind of life. Um, you know, I, and, and that makes me sound a lot more callous than I am, but you know, these, these are all very, very deep questions. And I think now the scientists are starting to effectively create life. You know, maybe these are questions that have to be asked, but you know, the really, really deep implications, I mean, they haven't created anything that can reproduce yet. And, and that's, if they do that, then we need to start talking. You know, we, we need to start asking the questions as to exactly, you know, what are the ethics of all of this? But it's, it's an interesting article. I, I, I was positively fascinated, you know, when I read it. The Wired article is a little bit longer. That'll be linked to in the show notes. And again, if you have stories that you want, uh, you know, that you want to have looked at and read about on Sovereign Tech, you can go to SovereignTech at Hush.ai and, you know, we'll get to them. Um, again, another thing I talked about it last week a little bit is that if you, if you are interested in sovereign tech coming out more, like if there being more sovereign tech as in more than once a week, maybe twice a week or something like that, uh, please, you know, uh, you know, send me an email, let me know and I'll consider it if, if that's something that, that everybody's interested in. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing the show. And I have tons and tons and tons and tons of stories, so many stories that, you know, I I definitely, like I said last week, I could easily do this every day of the week, you know, if if that's something that people were interested in. Um, And also we will have, I I guarantee this next week, the privatized space uh, special will be coming out. There's so much exciting news coming out about, uh, you know, uh, private 
space, you know, privatized uh, uh, space missions and things that people are doing, talking about building hotels up in space, all this stuff. And we're going to talk about all of it and also the problems that the government uh, brings to the picture as into how, like it does with everything else, it just holds everything back. And there, there's been some really, that, especially I'm glad because there's parts of the, the privatized space special that, that were really only relevant now because it's been such an exciting, the past couple of weeks have been so exciting as far as what people want to do. And then the government reactions to all of it have been really, really interesting. And so we're going to get into all that. So it's perfectly timely and, you know, it, it's just, I hope you enjoy it and that'll be coming out next week. Um, so anyway, if you have any thoughts on this, you know, again, we can cover it in the listener email section. I have gotten emails about the, the speaking of like other life forms. Uh, I did get a, a, a an excellent email from a listener, uh, about dolphins and I will be covering that in a future episode. It'll, it, it's, it's kind of a, I, I don't want to say it's a rebuttal to the dolphin special while we're speaking of specials that I did a little while back, but it is, you know, it it has a lot of thought-provoking stuff to it. I want to make sure it gets plenty of time um, to be talked about. So that'll be coming up in a future episode, too. But if you have questions about this, uh, you know, if you have ethical questions about, about life forms getting made, you know, send me an email, SovereignTech at Hush.ai, or go to the Tumblr page. Um, in fact, this is kind of cool news. Recently, uh, it's kind of been like the whole buzz thing in the tech world right now is that Facebook is kind of passe. Like, people are, especially young people, and they're the up-and-coming generation, so what they use now is, you know, probably pretty close to what they'll be using in the future. They don't like Facebook. So what are they going to? What are they using instead for their social media? And it turns out that it's Tumblr, which I thought was great, because all I could think to myself was, oh, awesome, I'm already there. And fully established, when you go to SovereignTech.com, that is actually a Tumblr page. And, you know, and, and it's getting, people are sending questions there, which is great, and they can get answered right on the page. It doesn't have to wait for me to talk about it in the listener email section. But I thought that was just really exciting that, you know, I, and I'm pretty good at, at, at guessing trends. Um, I've been doing it for a while, and, you know, I, I had that, Tumblr just has everything that you want out of the internet on it, uh, or at least it could hub it very well, much better than like Facebook or even, unfortunately, Google Plus can. And so we're already there, SovereignTech.com, go check it out, and I'll be back with more in just a moment. This is Brian Sobber. Are you ready? I've never seen anyone so treated like a, a god in my life. Brian Sovereign as guest co-host tomorrow night, and so that should be a good show. On that note, uh, what we just we added Brian Sovereign. Okay, we haven't. Oh, is he good? He's been in the audience. He's, oh, yeah, he's certainly got opinions on things. Yes. I'm so close to being like God. No one is above me. Okay, absolutely no one. I don't take <laughs> orders from anybody, and uh, I mean that—that's how much closer to God can you get? Is there anything he doesn't do better than everyone else? Oh, that's just his way of talking. He's one of the best. Break it down! Catch Sovereign Tech, the show about technology and how it can set you free with me, 
Brian Sovereign. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N at soundcloud.com slash Sovereign Tech. Wow. It's a website of the week. It is website of the week where I cover... Uh, you know, the interesting websites or, or things relative per se on the internet. Um, and I have, again, this is something, like I said in the last segment, I have tons of these. So, you know, there, there's the internet is seemingly endless. And so there will always be a wonderful website of the week to go over. Um, or maybe on the flip side to criticize. But anyway, this is this is great. This isn't actually, this is relative to two websites but it's it's a petition. It's actually a petition that I think is very, very important. Um, and it's a petition towards Facebook and Google+. And what it is, uh, it's by Victor uh, Leberich. And he... When, when you go to Facebook and Google+, there are actually... You, you, you're very limited as far as uh, relationship options. Okay. As in like where you could look at your relationship status, it, you can say open, you can say single, you can say married, divorced, you know, but it's missing one. And the one it's missing, both Google Plus and, and Facebook, uh, is polyamory. And if you're not sure what polyamory is, you, I mean, I recommend checking out the Wikipedia page on it. That, that gives a great, great breakdown. But polyamory is the idea that you can love more than one person, fully love them, you know, at the same time, as in you can have multiple partners. Okay. This isn't polygamy. All right. It's polyamory. There, there is, there is a difference there. And so he has a, uh, this gentleman set up a petition and the, the link for it will be in the show notes. And all he asks you to do is to click like on the page that he created for, you know, to, to make polyamory an official status on Facebook and on Google plus. So all you have to do is just go there, you click like, and then maybe you share it, you know, uh, if you want, you know, if you want other people to respond to it. And I've done it for both on, on my own Facebook page and on the Google plus page. It's a nice, real simple way for, you know, it's, it's a showing of, of a degree of solidarity saying that, yes, we would like you to list polyamory as, you know, as an official status that you can have on, on your, um, you know, on your profile. And some people might ask, you know, well, does an open relationship kind of answer that? Not really. They're, they're not really the same because I think open, open relationships can be interpreted in a lot of ways. And as to where you may want the specificity of polyamory, which gives the other person the comfort, you know, the person that perhaps you're interested in, you know, that yes, I'm with someone, but I am fully capable of loving you as well. As to where saying an open relationship could be like swingers and can be, um, you know, just like open in that, well, yeah, I, I want to have some sex here and there, you know, but, uh, but I don't love you. Do you, do you get the difference that I'm saying? And that's why I think this is, this is so important. You know, love, love, I love this. This saying's great. Love is like an ocean, not a bathtub. And, and, and that's, that's, that's really something, you know, you know, I, I, I think that hammers the point really well. And so again, it'll be linked to in the show notes. Uh, you can check it out and all you have to do is click like, you know, and if you want to share it 
And you don't have to be polyamorous to do this. Just say that, yeah, no, I want, you know, and you can say it when you share it. Just say to people, you know, I'm not polyamorous, but I think people should be able to, you know, have whatever relationships they want. Which, you know, how much more liberty-minded can you get? That's great. So check it out. Again, it'll be linked to in the show notes. And uh, I'll be back with some more Sovereign Tech. This is Brian Sonnen. For 90 seconds on sex with Dr. Paul. Preapism is an erection that lasts for at least four hours and isn't the result of sexual stimulation. It's often painful, and usually only the shaft of the penis gets hard while the head of the penis doesn't. The problem with most types of preapism is that the blood is trapped in the penis and the tissue starts to die from oxygen starvation. Fortunately, preapism is rare, except for men who have sickle cell disease. Now, the list of things that can cause preapism is about three penises long, including sickle cell anemia and other blood disorders, injectable erection drugs, anticoagulants, antidepressants, spider bites, recreational drugs, taking male hormones, an extensive list of neurological disorders, and even getting a penis tattoo. Now, treatment options range from injections to surgery. There is a second type of preapism that's even more rare, but isn't as bad. It's when a guy gets a partial erection that isn't painful or related to sexual stimulation, but still lasts for hours or days. Fortunately, the blood continues to circulate in the penis, so tissue isn't damaged. This type of preapism might result from an injury to the penis. Now, if you ever have an erection that lasts for four hours and isn't from sexual stimulation, why not err on the side of caution and contact a healthcare provider? For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com. It is time for listener emails. I love the new music. Let me know what you think. SovereignTech at Hush.ai or SovereignTech.com. Also, the incredibly active Facebook page that that that's really picking up on things and you know also real quick if you have if you love google plus send me an email let me know i i want to know the i'd really like to know which of my listeners are like really into google plus and i want to i i would love for google plus to get much much more popular i mean it already has millions of users it's not the dead thing that so many think so many people think it is but i'd really love for that to get uh, some some very heavy use. So, you know, if, if you want, send me an email at SovereignTechAtHush.ai and let's see if we can all link up on Google Plus and maybe do something about that. Anyway, it is listener email time. And this listener email, this isn't, it's a question, but it's not so much a, a tech question. This was a concern raised. And I, and I talked about this a little bit before in the show. And uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just read the, read the, it was addressed to the, about the Bitcoin episode by the listener and listener will be totally anonymous. Again, unless you want to be specifically mentioned, I am not going to mention your name. You will be completely anonymous as much as I can help it. Um, 
And here we go. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I named, I learned a lot about Bitcoin from your show. This is the very first special that Sovereign Tech ever did. It's the Bitcoin special. You can find it at uh, soundcloud.com slash Sovereign Tech um, or at the Tumblr page or at SovereignTech.com. That was the first Sovereign Tech show I had heard. Uh, I just have one comment. I, I know a lot of libertarians slash anarchists are atheists. That's fine. What I don't understand is why so many feel they need to talk about Christians with contempt. There seems to be an assumption that no Christians are freedom loving. You are free to have your theory that religion is about control and keeping people down. I disagree. Uh, The listener disagrees. And to say on your, you know, and to say so on your show. Uh, I just don't understand why you are willing to insult a portion of your audience. Uh, I am a recent convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One of the main reasons I investigated the church was because of their doctrine of agency, which is freedom to choose. Uh, While it is true that most LDS members are Republican, there is a contingent of libertarian free market members. There is even a podcast called LDS Liberty. I also signed up for the Free State Project many years ago and made the move in 2007. I lived very briefly in Keene. Um, unfortunately I became extremely ill two months later after I arrived and I had to move back to Arizona. Uh, that's all I wanted to say. Again, I appreciate the Bitcoin show. So I, th- I thought that was, you know, very nice. Uh, I'm glad she learned a lot from the Bitcoin episode. Uh, the Bitcoin episode did have some flaws that I've admitted to, uh, one of them having to do with Canadian Bitcoins, because, uh, I think some people got the impression that I was saying that Canadian Bitcoins are illegal or bitcoins are illegal in Canada, which they're not, uh, you know, and, and that's just an impression someone got, but I did make an, an inaccurate statement in the Bitcoin episode, um, about trade Hill saying that it was based out of Canada. Um, and when that's not true at all. Uh, so anyway, full disclosure on that. Um, so, you know, the, the emailer is, is concerned that, you know, I'm, I'm ragging on Christians and, you know, I have to, I mean, do I do that? Yes. Now, I like to say to myself that I'm not, you know, insulting Christians per se. I am insulting Christianity. I am, I am insulting a lack of logic or lapses in logic. And here's, here's the thing. <laughs> this is kind of difficult to describe, you know, and, and I, I emailed, I emailed this emailer back and I said, I appreciate you taking the time, you know, to contact me about that. And I hope you appreciate the time that I spent in replying to you, you know, and I gave examples, uh, you know, of, of where my issues are with the idea that, you know, it's debatable to be freedom loving and then to hold faith in Abraham, Abrahamic religions. Um, and make no mistake, I'm being very particular in the fact that I'm talking about Abrahamic religions um, as, as to where, you know, a religion like Buddhism, while I, I have some problems with like the idea that reality isn't reality. You know, because that makes me scared to even walk down the street because I don't know what's, you know, what exactly is going to happen within a reasonable uh, amount of of chaos theory, I guess. Um, You know, that's not out there to particularly punish me, per se. One could get into the whole reincarnation thing and how you're supposed to, like, do all these dukas. So it is still kind of a controlling religion. But the Abrahamic religions in particular are all about punishment and doing things you know, you need to do this 
or you're going to burn in hell or you need to do this or, you know, you're, you're not going to live eternally, you know, and that if you don't follow God, you're not good. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're actually like doing everything right ethically. If you don't, you know, if you don't accept Christ, you're, you're in trouble. Um, you know, and, and, and all that, you know, I do think that that stands against freedom loving. Now, what'll happen is, and what may happen with this episode here is I'll get more emails of people saying, well, I only believe is particularly from Christians that'll be saying, well, I, you know, I, I don't believe in the old Testament. I don't believe in the writings of Paul. I just believe in the writings of Christ. And here's my problem with that. Okay, that's fine. Now, I mean, I actually have a copy of what's known as the Jefferson Bible, and that's where Thomas Jefferson, he did his own translation of the Bible. Uh, intriguingly, he used Latin, Greek, um, and and then, of course, uh, you know, like, like the English version at the time, like the Geneva Bible, and he used French, which is kind of odd, as in what else are you going to get out of French? Uh, you know, what, what in the French language would you get outside of the Greek language that, that lends itself to some questions. But anyway, his whole point was, is I'm going to get rid of all the supernatural stuff. I'm going to get rid of all the, you know, all these crazy references, um, to other books. And it's just going to be, this is what Jesus said. That was the point of the Jefferson Bible. And a lot of people use it like universalist Unitarians use it. And it's an intriguing read. Um, granted, I don't think Jesus has ever said anything unique as in, like, even the golden rule, uh, Publius uh, Cyrus, you know, uh, of Rome, almost 100 years, well, it's more like 50 or 60, but, uh, you know, well before Christ was born, if he was ever born, was making the same statements. So, you know, again, there isn't a uniqueness there to even go to. And, and that leads to my point is that, okay, fine, let's just say all you believe in are the Gospels and that all you believe in is what Christ said and that that's your God, you know, and, and, and you, you worship him and you follow him. Where is your proof for Christ? Like Christ is accepted by Christians as a God because, you know, the Old Testament said that the Messiah was coming. Where there's no basis for the need for a Jesus if you take out the Old Testament. Do you see my point? And to say nothing of, you know, I mean, when these people say they want to, like, wipe out the works of Paul and all the, you know, the Apostle Paul and all this stuff, does that mean you get rid of the book of Revelation? Because that's the thing, too. Well, Jesus is peaceful. Well, in the book of Revelation, he comes down with like this sword coming out of his mouth and he kills millions of people. Not the most peaceful guy. And so for me, you know, I mean, I am an anarchist. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a libertine. I'm a voluntarist. You know, p pick your words. And I don't think, you know, not only do, and this, this part is just me, not only do I believe in the non-aggression principle, but I also feel that I don't ever want any person to be killed for any reason. I just don't, you know, I don't, and I don't like prisons either. Don't think I just want to send everybody to prison. I don't like prisons either, but I think there's some deeper social issues that need to be addressed and killing people doesn't solve any of it. Okay. Um, so that's where I have the problem with this whole idea of like that, that you can't be a Christian and a freedom lover. I do think that point's accurate. Again, yes, you can say I only follow the gospels, 
but then what is your historical basis for the Gospels? Well, I never heard anyone talk like that before, but I just gave you the example of people who did talk like that before. So what is your basis for Christ if you don't believe in the Old Testament? Uh, in fact, you know, there, were, there was a guy named Marcion in, I believe, the second or third century who he thought he came to the same conclusion. He's like, well, you know, the, guy, the God of the Old Testament's an asshole. This Demiurge, I mean, he can't be possibly related to Christ at all. And he was pretty much routed by early Christians who, you know, supposedly the early Christians had it all right. He was routed by the early Christians saying, you're the son of the devil. You know, how dare you make such claims? So, so do, you, do you see my point? I mean, so if Christians are just going to keep moving the goalposts on me, then to, to be honest, there's times where, you know, and I don't really want to ridicule people. I, I, I don't. But there, what am I supposed to think? I mean, I, I can't even I don't know the rules. I thought I knew the rules. I know my Bible really, really, really well. I mean, you can't imagine how well I know that thing. I was a Christian at one point. I was raised Jewish and later became a Christian. And I know the score. I was even a Seventh-day Adventist for a little while. I mean, and boy, you want to talk about people that know their Bible. And, you know, so, so when I'm in conversation with these people, it's just, it, it's, it's turned so maddening when I try to, you know, reason with them because the, the goalpost keeps moving and they say, well, no, it actually means this. And it actually means this. And, and I can't help but think, I'm like, how do you walk down the street? The rules change all the time. Yeah. I can't do that. You know, I believe in the laws of physics. I think gravity affects everything and everyone. And so I don't, I have no anticipation that, I mean, that's kind of the main thing is that, you know, this is a show about science and technology. And if science allowed for the fact that just out of nowhere, suddenly you could be floating in the air for no reason whatsoever. And that's what religion allows for. That's what superstition allows for. Um, I mean, I, I, I'd be terrified. You know, I, I don't think I'd want to wake up ever again because I couldn't count on anything. I mean, that's how, that's how civilization has progressed. That's how you have an iPhone in your hand. That's how you have an Android in your hand is because there are rules to the way the universe works. Everything follows those, or at least everything, you know, as far as the physical laws, you know, there, everything follows those physical laws and thus you can build upon those and create incredible things. But if we walked around with the belief that, that those laws could just suddenly change, why would anyone do anything? It'd be pointless because, well, eh, you know, it could change. Yeah. In a moment's notice, silicons could suddenly be, uh, you know, it, it could become steel. And so I don't think I want to make anything out of silicon because it could just change out of nowhere. Do, do, you, do you see my point there? So, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to apologize and I didn't apologize when I responded in the email. I'm not going to apologize for, you know, anything I've said about Christianity. Um, because, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, you know, scratching the tip of the iceberg here in that, you know, as far as the, the grave offenses, you know, that Christianity in particular, but really, you know, any of the Abrahamic religions, um, you know, that, that any of these have, have done against humanity in general. 
Um, and I, and I think, I mean, I think religion and superstition as a whole is, is if there's any conspiracy out there, that's the conspiracy, the conspiracy to hold you down or to make you think that you cannot know the rules. And so you need to be protected. Anyway, I'll be back with more Sovereign Tech and we'll try and lighten up uh, the attitude here a little bit. This is Brian Sovereign. In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity, it is our last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon 5. All fighter squadrons launch. Return fire. Freeze them! Watch Babylon 5. You can watch Babylon 5 and experience the greatest show in television history. See the entire series completely free by going to the wb.com slash shows slash Babylon 5. Software of the Week. It is time for Software of the Week, where we cover great, great software that's out there. And there's just new great software coming out all the time, especially in our modern technological world, where, yeah, I mean, there's just so many options. You can use Linux, you can use Windows, you can use Mac, you can use iPhone, you can use Android, you can use Firefox OS, you can use BlackBerry 10. Yay, BlackBerry 10. Um, not everybody, don't, don't everybody jump up at once at that one. Uh, anyway, and speaking of all those, because there's all this options out there, one of the things I love to talk about on this show is what's called cross-platform, meaning it's software that works on just about everything, or it works on a lot of different systems anyway. And this is an interesting one. This has to do with Facebook. Okay. Um, and Facebook, what, you know, if you have either an iPhone or an Android, uh, Facebook has, they have a few apps available. They have like the pages manager app, which is really good. We'll talk about that sometime in the future. Uh, they also have their main Facebook app, which, you know, most people I assume that are listening to this, you know, have experience with that. They also have their messenger app, which, you know, eliminates most of Facebook's features and just works as a purely messenger program, which is, which is really cool. And that's the one we're going to talk about right now, because what they've done, they've also kind of added this in some, uh, like on the iPhone now, you can also do this through the main Facebook app. But in the Messenger app, they've added the the ability to make phone calls um, from, you know, from friend to friend, uh, from user to use, from Facebook user to Facebook user. And it's what they call VOIP, you know, which is voice over internet protocol, mainly saying this is voice over the internet. And since January, it's actually been available for, you know, for people that use iOS for, you know, iPhone or iPad or, or whichever. Um, recently, just a, just a couple days ago, they started, they started adding it into uh, Android, the Android messenger app, but only that's only if you're in Canada. So, but I would assume that the United States is coming soon. As far as for the, you know, using it for Apple, they've, 
they've made sure that it's only going to work in Canada and the United States. Uh, I think India might be picking up on it too, or no, I'm sorry. In India, what, what happened was, is that they actually made the messenger app, the Facebook messenger app. This is really cool to where you don't have to have an actual Facebook account, but you can use the messenger app and you can log into messenger, you know, pretty anonymously actually, and just use it as a text messaging program. You know, you don't have to use it for Facebook at all. It can just be used as a text messaging program. And now they've, they're setting it up, at least in Canada, for Android and United States and Canada for iOS users. They've set it up so that you can use it as your phone, essentially. You know, I mean, now you can't go calling. Uh, as far as I know, you can't, like, call a page. Like, say, say your bank has a page. You know, you can't call the Bank of America page and talk to somebody at Bank of America, but you can call your friends, which, you know, I mean, I think that's what most people, um, you know, want to do is they want to talk to their friends if, you know, if they're into, you know, talking on the phone. Um, I'm not such a huge fan of talking on the phone, but, you know, to each their own. And I just thought this was really cool and a, a really competitive move, especially because this works like on everything. Um, the messenger app, I think you can even get the messenger app to like go on Ubuntu, you know, which is a Linux distribution. And yeah, I mean, that's really like, that's definitely happening where this is blurring of the lines between what's a computer, what's a phone, uh, what's a tablet. And, and it's like, they're all just turning into one machine and all of them kind of do the same thing. Um, which I think is really, really cool, but this is great. So now you can, you can actually call, you can call your friends if you want to, you know, no one has to give out phone numbers or anything or email addresses. You can just call each other. So check out the Messenger app, and, and I imagine in the next few days it'll be released for the United States. And, uh, you know, and if you think it works, if it worked out well for you, send me an email, SovereignTech at Hush.ai. I'll be back with more in just a minute. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network. A collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Brian! Stop playing those video games! Uh, 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 just a minute, Mom. Game Talk. It is time for Game Talk, my favorite part of the show. And this week, we've got kind of an editorial from Kotaku uh, by Jason Schreier, which I thought was really good. Um, it's a little old. It's from October 2012, but I think it raises some some interesting points. Not necessarily these aren't, like, points that have anything to do with freedom, per se. Um... But it's just, it, it's good stuff. And so let, let's just jump right in. And it's, the article is called, You Can Keep Your Big Open Worlds. I Want a JRPG. Now, a JRPG, for those who don't know, that's what's, it's a Japanese RPG. And meaning it, it has a specific style. A JRPG has like a, it's very, often very linear. And it has a set story. And that's why it's comparing it to the open worlds, kind of like Grand Theft Auto or Skyrim, where everything's big and you can choose and do what you want. And so it's, it's a response to that sort of thing. And, and I think this is pretty good, so we'll read it. Um, while in Seattle a few weeks ago for PAX Prime, 
Uh, I went out to dinner with a few game designers and Kotaku colleagues. Somewhere between the sirloin and the bananas flambe uh, conversation turned to Skyrim. We sat there for a while telling stories about the cool things we'd found in Bethesda's popular role-playing game. We talked about funny glitches, about hidden items, about getting lost in the hills and caves that make up Skyrim's gigantic world. Each of us had experienced things others hadn't. It was illuminating. I can't imagine doing that same thing with the Japanese role-playing game. Can you picture the stories? So then I made my way out of Midgar and hunted down Sephiroth to the Promised Land. Me too, same. When game designers talk about games like Skyrim, they like to talk a lot about something called emergent narrative. In human language, that refers to the story that comes out of your actions within a game. Say you stab the Jarl of Morthal, kill all the guards, run outside, summon your horse, and immediately get killed by a dragon. That's a story. Not a particularly emotional story, but an emergent one, the type you might want to tell your friends about. But the problem with this emergent approach is that it limits what a storyteller can do. Bethesda's scribes could have taken months to write and develop the most interesting character in the world, a flawed hero with a tragic past and and an even worse future. They could have written arcs and climaxes and torturous obstacles for that hero, taking her along some sort of crazy journey that changed the way she looked at life. And you might have never met her. You might have killed her. You might have put a bucket on her head and immediately lost all ability to take her seriously. Quite frankly, the biggest obstacle to telling a good story in a video game is you. Don't get me wrong. There are some great moments in Skyrim, great dinner table stories. You'll find interesting books and uh, get betrayed by nasty elves and stumble upon lighthouses haunted by demon centipedes. But the writers were limited by the player's freedom. You can walk away in the middle of a story, go find something else to do or someplace else to go. It's simple to screw with pacing and kill any chance Skyrim might have at achieving emotional resonance. Just go do some quests out of order or make a mess of someone's kitchen while they're telling you about their dead son. Even Skyrim's main plotline, a weighty affair that involves saving the planet from dragons, is relatively thin and hard to care about, mostly because the nature of the game makes it tough to empathize with the characters that inhabit Skyrim's world. You don't meet many people with strong desires and goals. Most of your time is spent solo, exploring and fighting through the wilderness. From a uh, ludic perspective, that's ideal. For a storyteller, it's quite the opposite. The Japanese approach, as we've seen in games like Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger, and just about every other RPG not named Dragon's Dogma, is strictly is strikingly different. They don't want you to miss anything. They want you to take, they they want to take you on a meticulously scripted adventure with very little wiggle room. You might not walk away with stories to tell your buddies, but if uh, JRPG does its job, you'll walk away feeling some sort of powerful connection to the characters. You'll feel their pride as they grow, uh, feel their sorrow as they watch friends and loved ones pass away. You'll connect. This is assuming that everything, you know, that everything else is also executed well, of course. If the dialogue is awful or a character's voice acting hurts your ears or the music doesn't fit, the story might have different issues achieving emotional resonance. And when JRPG developers have tried experimenting with narrative, the the results have not been great. Final Fantasy VI, for example, um, for the first half of the game, you're basically on a train. You follow one linear path. Characters leave and join your party during scripted moments, and the story takes turns and twists when you don't expect them. It's great. Later, when everything blows up, and you enter the second of Final Fantasy VI's two acts, 
you're granted free reign to explore. You can enter the final dungeon and finish the game whenever you'd like. But first, you can go embark upon side quests, re-recruit old party members, and just generally have your way with the world. To many people, this is when the story falls apart. Instead of engaging you in the quest to stop the psychopathic clown Kefka, Final Fantasy VI then becomes a hodgepodge of different plots and ideas, all fighting for your attention among a desolate landscape of ash and lava. Gone is the ebbing and flowing of a structured story. In its place is an open, disconnected world that feels even more disconnected because you can do things out of order. When you find an, an old party member, for example, the game won't recognize who else is in your party. There are no tearful reunions or meaningful connections, just generic lines of dialogue. It's a bummer. Now, if you don't mind me way oversimplifying things, let's say there are two main approaches to RPG storytelling. Let's call them linear and nonlinear. Linear games turn story into a reward for playing. Nonlinear games create story as a result of playing. Both approaches are valid, and each has its own strengths and weaknesses. Your particular preference may vary. It depends why you play games. And as much as I loved Skyrim, as much as I love sitting around the dinner table and sharing travel stories with friends, I prefer linear stories because they're personal, emotional. It's those little things, the moments my stomach lurches as an ally betrays me, trying to hold me hold back tears as my hero uh, has to kill his best friend. I don't mind not having some sort of impact on the outcome of the story, nor do I mind being led along a linear path for 30 or 40 hours of my time, as long as it makes me feel something. Maybe that's why I spend my spare time playing JRPGs. To me, other genres just can't compare. Okay, that's that's pretty interesting. No, I mean, I, I only read that just to get you to kind of think about it. But, you know, you got to wonder sometimes is you know why do i think the question's great why do you play games okay and maybe you know i remember the first time i played grand theft auto i played the original grand theft auto but uh and grand theft auto 2 and the london missions don't worry i played them all but anyway grand theft auto 3 i remember when i first played that and like the idea that you could just do anything i've never beaten grand theft auto 3 because i just went around screwing around and like i put in the cheat codes so that i could get like the flamethrower or something and did you know i i never even bothered with the story and i think it actually had a pretty good story if i remember correctly um but i just i went all over the place with it because it was so open-ended now you know maybe maybe that's what you want out of a game you know maybe that's what you dig but i think there's something to be said you know what i myself my own taste is very similar to the person who wrote this editorial where i want that complete story i want that connection i want to feel i want to like you know, I'm playing games not to live. I'm playing games to kind of get away. You know, it is a, it is to some degree a form of escapism. Um, I mean, this this doesn't hold true for sports games and things like that, where it's you know it can be fun competition between you and some friends. But yeah, you know, I I, I really I I want if I'm going to spend that much time in a game, you know, I I, I want some uh, you know much like when I read a really great novel. You know, I, I want some payoff at the end. I want some incredible story. I want to see what I want to see in a lot of stories where I want to see, you know, normal everyday people suddenly be get thrown into incredible circumstances, unbelievable circumstances and how they deal with them. And, you know, again, it, it's totally a matter of taste, but I think it raises a really, really good question in that, you know, how much are we missing in, in a genuine, like really good, deep experience um, 
when you know when we have to i mean because they can't program these games yet skyrim is great for what it is but they really you can't program these games yet to where they can react to every little detail that you do within the game maybe when that point comes to where everything you do has a reaction within the game maybe then the 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 quote-unquote jrpg won't be such a big deal anymore because then you are literally crafting your own story but you're admittedly you're kind of half-assing it right now you know and i think it's it, it it's such a new thing it feels good but there are just tremendous stories out there that still are being told and i hope the sales figures continue to show to where people continue to keep telling them anyway your choice this is sovereign tech i'll be back with more are you searching for a mouth-watering all-natural sweet and sticky treat What if I told you it was also made by a chef who believes in freedom, just like you? You're not dreaming. This is real. Head over to mandrik.com. That's M-A-N-D-R-I-K.com. There you'll find George's famous baklava in classic and dark chocolate flavors. Mm. To those with special health needs, George's famous baklava also has a treat for you. Golden delicious, low-carb, gluten-free almond cookies. Order with PayPal or Bitcoins. In just a few days, your sweet treats will await you right at your doorstep. One more time, that's M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com for George's Famous Bacaba. Hacker Stories. It is time for Hacker Stories, where we talk about the some of the real heroes in the world, uh, or at least the renegades. <laughs> Be they white hat, great hat, black hat, we talk about hackers. And this, since it's now March 2013, last month, February of 2013, was quite the month as far as hacking goes. Um, you know, to say nothing of like, I mean, January was kind of big too. You you know, you had stuff happening with, with Aaron Schwartz and you had um, uh, Mega you know, by Kim.com, which was like the reincarnation of, uh, of reiteration of, of mega upload, you know, that happened, which we're going to talk about mega, mega upload in a, in a future story. But February was whether some companies admitted it right away or later, February was a pretty ugly month for, for a lot of companies as far as hacking goes. Um, and this story, uh, is actually from lookout.com. We've talked about lookout.com. It is a security service and, you know, they, they make apps for Android, um, that I highly recommend. And th- this is coming from their blog and they're just doing a nice rundown, which is great because I mean, this just shows that this is, this is a company who's concerned with like the security of your phone and whatever else. And they clearly pay attention to the world of hacking in what's going on. Um, and so they did this nice write up and, and I thought it was, it was really good. Uh, they call it, it's called a February gone hackuary. <laughs> I think that's clever. Uh, okay. Can you believe it's almost been a year since breach week? That's what's breach week. That's when LinkedIn eHarmony and last.fm were victims of hacks that compromised passwords, sending millions of users into password-changing frenzies. February 2013, or what we're dubbing as Hackuary, hasn't been kind to some of the world's most recognizable companies either. The New York Times, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, and Twitter had security issues that PC antivirus software could not protect against. 
here are the details on the hacks and how you can stay protected. Uh, the New York Times, this is referencing the one about the New York Times, after reporters concluded an investigation looking into uh, a fortune the Prime Minister Wen Jiabao of, of China had inherited. Uh, Chinese hackers were thirsty for more information. In, instead of doing more research, or perhaps even writing the reporters, they decided to infiltrate the New York Times network with 45 pieces of custom malware. Uh, go figure. In doing so, they stole the email passwords of reporters on the Prime Minister's story with the ultimate goal, goal of uncovering their sources. Okay, let, let's, well, we'll read all three and then we'll touch on each one individually. Uh, the, the next one is about Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft. All three of these technology juggernauts were attacked by the same hack, mere weeks apart, when company employees visited a site feigning as a software developer tool. Um, meaning that, well, it explains, upon doing so, the web page exploited a vulnerability in the Java plugin for browsers to execute its malicious code. These zero-day threats, or hacks that have never appeared in the wild before, could not be stopped by PC antivirus software. The good news is, is that none of these attacks showed evidence of customer data being taken. And then the last one with Twitter, um, at Jeep, that's the at symbol, and at Burger King, meaning those you know Jeeps and Burger King's official Twitter accounts, were the latest victims here. Their handles tweeted bogus content, like being sold to competitors, uh, among other things. Um, also with Twitter, they, there was like a quarter million uh, accounts that were hacked into and password. You know, it was a big mess, and I think that was in like January, uh, but a really, really, really big mess. So what can you do to help prevent yourself from falling under the similar circumstances? Change your password and change it often. For smartphones, make sure you have a mobile security app like Lookout installed, uh, which I definitely recommend. And if you're employed, make sure your company has the right security me measures in place. We can help with that, too. And obviously, Lookout's you know offering their services, which they're a great company, so I, I would recommend that. But let's let's talk about the Facebook one here for a second. And what happened was, again, um, they were they it was all the same hack and they had a developer to what, what it said was is they, they got employees from those companies, Facebook, Apple and Microsoft to go to a site that was pretending to be a software developer tool. OK, so they went to this website and they thought it was like a place where they could write APIs or whatever. And, you know, they logged in and then that accessed Java. Okay. The Java plugin, which Java, the okay. Now this is something we, we did a, a, a 2013 security special. And on that, I made a comment about Java and JavaScript. We were talking about JavaScript and how it's a good idea to kind of like turn that off. If you don't need it on your browser, you can, you can find that episode at soundcloud.com slash sovereign tech or at sovereigntech.com. And, I, I said, it was like, yeah, Java's bad stuff, you know, and, and I, I made, I made it, it was a just a total gaffe. Um, I knew what I was, I mean, I, you know, I had the idea of what I wanted to say, but I ended up like claiming that Java and JavaScript are the same thing. They're not the same thing. Both equally pretty dangerous, but they're not the same thing. Anyway, the Java plugin is something that comes from, you can go to like java.com and you can download it and it's used to play games and a whole bunch of other things and to do, you know, a lot of interactive stuff on the internet. Um, you know, and and people are constantly warning that the Java plugin, the software, the Java plugin, um, is just an absolute danger. 
you know, you know, to your computer. It's just waiting for things to happen. And it updates all the time. They're up to like version seven, if not higher now. And they, they have to keep updating it like constantly because there's just new stuff all the time. And with this one in particular, with the Facebook hack against it, um, it was what they called zero day threats, which means that, you know, they were just totally brand new viruses that nothing could detect. I mean, how can you detect it? You don't know it's a virus. You've never seen it before. Um, so that's what they call a zero day threat. And fortunately it seems like nothing happened, but Facebook was really reticent to even admit that they got hacked, uh, in particular, um, Apple, I mean, Apple's Apple, they have, they have like this real, like snobbish kind of look at things, you know, look on things where they're just like, well, you know, that's how it's all supposed to be. So they don't like to admit that they ever get hacked either. Microsoft takes things a little more seriously. In fact, Microsoft is the only company out of those that actually develops their own, um, you know, uh, virus programs and their own malware programs. And they're actually pretty good, you know, when, when they work with windows, um, so, so that's interesting, you know, and, and I agree with the, the overall advice of this article is to just change your password often. Uh, the Java thing, if you find, you know, maybe, you know, if you want to see if you have the Java plugin installed in your computer, you probably do. The Java software is used on millions of things, not just computers. And if it's there, uninstall it and see if you see, maybe you can browse the web without ever using it. And then you don't have to worry about it. Um, again, the fortunate thing with the Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft hack was that, you know, nobody actually lost their, lost any of their information. Um, with the New York Times story, I, I mean, the, the, the Chinese people, they had some very serious concerns as to, wait a minute, what exactly happened here? Now, I don't think there's like a whole lot of, they said they put malware on their computers to be able to, to look at their emails. And obviously that, that's a, that's a breach of privacy. Um, I think that all that could have been handled a whole lot differently. Um, but this just goes to show that, you know, it's a good idea to, to think about security with your computer, you know, especially if you're doing something now, if it's a company like the New York times, the New York times should be hiring hackers to work on their security. Okay. But it, it's, it's a good idea. You know, one of the things, one of the reasons I cover hacker stories, not to, not just to show the heroes, but also to show just like how, what they can do, you know, what a, you know, what a hacker can do, say if they were more black hat to where they had very, very malicious intent or they're pulling some kind of prank, um, you know, or if they have some kind of political concern, um, you know, just how, how they can access your computer. And so it's important to keep that in mind. And if you have a concern, you know, over things. I mean, I'm not really myself. I'm not really concerned. I mean, if someone hacked into my computer, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'd like to know, but you know, I don't have anything on there that, that that's that important, but interesting hackuary. That's what we just survived. And maybe some of us didn't even know it. So just how bad are hackers then? Hmm. Well, this is Brian Sovereign. I'll be back with more. This is Stephanie Murphy, Sovereign Tech Producer. You may know me from this show, but did you know that I have my own podcast? It's called Pork Therapy. Pork Therapy is a bit different from other shows. We cover current events, big ideas, and even relationship issues, all through the lens of how we can get more freedom in our lives. Oh, and you'll love Sex and Science Hour. Join me on my website, porktherapy.com. That's P-O-R-C therapy.com. 
Now back to Sovereign Tech. doing? I can't believe I caught you again. You know, Jesus doesn't approve of this little habit of yours. I know, baby, I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. Well, it ain't. But I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. (sighs) It's nothing but a sinful perversion of nature, if you ask me. But baby, I don't ever want to stop looking at tech websites, new gadgets, video games, software, or any of that stuff. Well, Then I'm leaving. Okay. Bye. Pick of the Week. It is time for Pick of the Week. I love that intro every single time, and I listen to it live. Headphones on. Um, This week for Pick of the Week, and Pick of the Week is where I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. I can pick uh, a product. I can pick a software, website, uh, a movie, a television show, uh, you know, some kind of music. Um, go down the list. I can choose whatever I want to talk about, and, and I do it, and it's great. And this week we have a product, and I am a huge, huge fan of this product. It's very similar. We've talked about in past episodes about a product called TuneIn Radio, where you can like get radio stations off the Internet and listen to them and how that just blows away radio. And that is really cool, but you know maybe maybe you want a separate device to kind of do that, to handle that that issue you know maybe you know you've got like sound coming out of your computer but in the background you want to listen to some talk radio or some other like really cool internet radio station um you know just off to the side and and for this 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 is such a such a great product and it's the cc radio okay it's the cc and in particular the cc wi-fi internet radio and this is uh, developed by C-Crane, which is an incredible company as far as audio, anything audio goes. Uh, their headphones, everything everything they offer is just top-notch. Top, top-notch stuff. And it runs about 100 bucks for for, this, for the Wi-Fi internet radio. And it's, it's just, it's this little black box. Um, they have other ones, too. They have one, actually, that looks like a wood grain model, looks like something out of the 30s, which is really, really cool if you're into that. And I, and I think that's awesome. Um, but the the CC radio, it's just this little black box. I mean, you can easily fit it. You can hold it with one hand if you wanted. And it's it's mono. It doesn't have, you know, a stereo speaker set up. But that one speaker that it has on it gives such a rich sound it's really really good i don't know how they pulled that off and it's really loud like if you want it if you want to really crank it up it it'll you'll hear it throughout your whole house um it's that good so for something that small to produce that sound uh alone is great um it also has an auxiliary uh, port on it which means you can plug in a one-eighth headphone jack you know so you could plug in something into it and get that really booming sound. Like if you, if this is all you had, say you're in a small apartment and this was all you, you had this and you wanted to plug in your, your iPhone or your Android or iPad or something into it. Um, you know, you could plug right into it and it play and it, and it offers, like I said, a really, really rich sound. And so what this does, it's a Wi-Fi internet radio. And that's exactly what it means. It gathers, there's something over like 16,000 stations internet radio stations from around the world and it connects to your home network it connects to it can connect through wi-fi or it also has an ethernet port on it so you can just plug in directly you can just run a hard line into it which is i mean you know that's great the performance i get from from here 
the performance I get from it from the Wi-Fi is is awesome. It does it does a great great job. The only thing I will say, and I don't know if this is true for every microwave, but I've noticed when the microwave is running, it kills Wi-Fi. So keep that in mind. If you had the hard line, if you had it plugged in through through Ethernet, that wouldn't be so much of a problem. Um, so that's just a little little pro tip from Sovereign Tech there. But anyway, this thing does it all. You can listen to LRN.FM, which the show appears on. Uh, you can program it. It comes with a remote control that works really, really well. Uh, it has a dial. I mean, it's just very, very basic. The buttons, the button setup on it is so simple, and that's the beauty of it is, is its simplicity. Uh, it automatically will detect your wireless network, and, you know, it gives you the ability to put in... Um, uh, you know, to put in the password by just like scrolling with the with the knob with the the turn dial on it, and then pushing in on it. Uh, I I mean I really I can't I cannot express enough just how cool this little piece of technology is. Um, it also works with Pandora, uh, works with Opio Live 365, uh, and MP3 Tunes. Doesn't work with iHeartRadio. At least maybe not yet. They might update it. And that's one of the cool things. You know, one of the one of the interesting things like with that that kind of started with Blu-ray players is that now that these devices are connected to the internet, you can update their firmware. And their firmware is pretty much the software that's like at the base level that tells you know, that tells the whole thing what to do. You know, it's not like an operating system, it's different than that. But the firmware is very important and, and like devices like this now they can actually they can they can automatically update their firmware to where they get new features even years down the line which is great and i and i can tell you i mean i haven't had the cc radio for too long uh it's it's probably going on maybe eight months but i, I mean just you can feel the quality of the build this thing's meant to last which, you know, t- to me, I, th- I think is great. You know, I don't, I don't mind the throwaway society so much, but it's really cool when you get something just of that great, great quality. Um, it, it does plug in, uh, you know, it does have an AC adapter. Um, and I, I mean, there's just a lot of options. You can hook up like an FM transmitter to it if you wanted to use it to like transmit radio uh, again, it has the aux, you know, the aux out. It has a headphone jack. It has it has everything you could possibly want. And again, the stations, kind of like what we talked about when we talked about the TuneIn app, the stations that you get, radio can't touch this. Regular AM or FM radio cannot compare to what the CC radio can deliver. And it doesn't need a computer. That's what's amazing too. Um, now you can make an account. Uh, I I I think it's Receiva maybe is is the website that you can go to to create an account where it like creates presets that's the other nice thing is you can make preset stations with this um to where you know on the remote control you can hit the number one it'll go to lrn.fm you can hit number two and it'll go to twit.tv you can hit number three and it goes to no agenda um you know or whatever you want to listen to but the but the radio stations are amazing and and it does it has a search option too which is cool it's like okay yeah but i don't want to have to like go to the internet to find out what all these radio stations are you can actually just type you you can using the dial you can enter in like uh the phrase drum and bass or dubstep or metal or soundtrack or something like that and then it'll search 16,000 at least stations and it'll find and it, and and it'll find ones for you to listen to, and then you can check them out. And if you want to set them on your preset, set them on your preset. It's amazing everything that it offers. 
I mean, this is what radio should be. You know, and it comes from all around the world. I mean, if it's available on the internet, if it's being pushed by Shoutcast or something along those lines, you can get it on the CC radio, and it is so cool. And again, the sound is great. You can choose different audio streams. I mean, I listen to it almost nightly, you know, to listen to like Free Talk Live or something, and and it's just it's never failed. It's really really great. Um, and 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 to talk about some of like the music stations. You know, a lot of these are like pirate radio stations, and so they'll play songs you've never, ever heard before. You've just never heard. And it has, the CC radio has a nice LCD display, and it can actually read, it reads what's called ID3 tags, which is the information that people input into, um, you know, into uh, the you know, the song into the file, into like the MP3 file or something, which tells, you know, that's how like on your computer, well, how does it know that I'm listening to back and black by ECDC? And it's because it's put into the ID3 tag and the CC radio reads ID3 tags. And so you can actually know what song you're listening to a lot of times. If the person that set up the radio station, set it up to do that. Okay. That's the caveat, but that ability's there. So, you know what you're listening to all the time. Um, you know, as long as that's set up and most of the stations I've seen, do have it set up that way. Um, there's one station in particular called SST, which is uh, sound, which is all soundtracks. That's all they do is they play like symphonic pieces from soundtracks and it, and it's just great. And it's so funny because I mean, I, I'm kind of amazed at myself. I can usually list off exactly the song they're playing like by name, because growing up, especially all I listened to were soundtracks from uh, from movies, you know, like the really big symphonic pieces. Um, well, I listen to a lot of metal too, like I listen to Kiss. But anyway, um, you know, and so so I can almost play like a trivia game with myself, where I say, okay, that's uh, you know, like that that's that's the main title from you know, that's like the introduction from Stargate, or um, that's the hymn to red October or something along those lines. You know what I mean? It, it, it's really, it, it makes it, makes it a lot of fun. And then like, you know, you go, when you type in a rock and roll station, you know, into the CC radio, you get rock and roll, you know, you don't get what's force fed off, you know, in, in the normal AM and FM radio stuff. I mean, and that really, you know, this is almost a rebellious act listening to this because the FCC is not there. The FCC is not controlling the radio. The record companies aren't controlling what's being played. You know, it's like the, the old saying that, wow, you know, you, you walk into a radio station and you see, they have all this great music, but they never play it. They have all these great CDs or something, you know, that they could be playing and they're not playing it. And the, you know, the, the station manager would say, well, if it's so great, how come they're not topping the charts? What's the answer to that? It's because you're not playing it in the first place is why it's not topping the charts, you know? And so the CC radio just gets rid of all that authority. So it's almost like, it's almost giving the, honestly, it's almost giving the finger to the FCC saying, no, I'll listen to what I want to listen to. And, and it's just, it's great, great technology. You, you can't beat it. Um, so check that out. I'll link to it in the show notes, the specific product. But if you like that, check out everything else Seacrane has. I mean, this is just a top-notch company that I cannot recommend enough for everything they offer and including the specific stuff that they build. Just really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, and let me know if you do. Actually, I think there's an old Free Talk Live code where if you use the code FTL during checkout, if you do happen to go buy this, and I think it gives you 10% off. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's still accurate and you can still use it because Seacrane used to like talk on 
they used to do ads on on Free Talk Live, and uh, that's that's how I found out about the 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 Wi-Fi radio. And yeah, couldn't couldn't be happier with its performance. So anyway, um, we're just nearing up on the end of the show here, and you know any questions you have. Uh, if you, we got the new listener email section, which has been premiering for uh, a couple weeks now. And if you have a question, send, you know, send it in. You can do it through the Tumblr page as well, through SovereignTech.com. And, you know, you can ask a question through that. Uh, we, and, of course, then you can email me at SovereignTech at Hush.ai. Um, again, the, the main thing I'd really like to hear from people this week or into the future, it doesn't matter. I'd really be interested if you like Google Plus and maybe if you're interested in the idea of making Google Plus a little bit of a bigger deal, maybe in anarchist circles or in tech circles, send me an email. Let's see what we can do. And I already have a couple things set up on Google Plus. I have the Google Plus Sovereign Tech page, which I was actually working on last night because Google Plus changed their format a little bit. Um, I have that. I, of course, Brian Sovereign, am on Google+, um, and I also have the Sovereign Tech Balnea, which Google+, Plus has these things called communities, which is very similar to Facebook groups, and I have that set up. That's gotten used a little bit, but not nearly as much as I think would be interesting to see how, you know, just how far it could go. And so if you're into that, send me an email, SovereignTechAhush.ai. I really, really, really think Google+, Plus is the future uh, of a lot of things. Tumblr definitely is, too, and I'm going to be there forever. You know, but um, but but send me an email. Let let's see what we can make happen with that. I I, I wonder. Um, as far as anything else, again, email me sovereigntech at hush.ai. Uh, comments, insults, you know, it doesn't matter. Send them my way. I love I love getting email, and I get a lot of it. And it's I read everyone. It's great. So, um, also we're gonna see about getting some more guests on on the show. Uh, some some various names that I've been I've been starting to email and maybe getting a little more penetration on the show. Yeehaw penetration. This is Brian Sovereign. You've been listening to Sovereign Tech. I'll see you next week. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at sovereigntech.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N tech.tumblr.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds.